Thank you for listening to the show. I hope it inspires you and expands your view of what's possible in your journey of wealth creation. My hope is that through repeated exposure to the ideas and the guests you will find here, your view of finance will change for the better. With that said, there's an important caveat that must be stated. The opinions you will hear on this show are just that, opinions. Please don't misconstrue any of what you're about to hear as legitimate financial advice. Do your own research and don't take anything at face value. Understand that everything you hear on this show is someone else's experience that may or may not work for you. I don't know you, I don't know your situation, so I can't tell you what to do. But I can tell you that the one goal of this podcast is to make you richer, wealthier, and ultimately more fulfilled as a human. I'm glad you're here. Please rate it, review it, share it with the people in your world that matter. And without further ado, enjoy the show. We're just going to flow. You good with flowing? I'm ready to go. All right, everybody, welcome to a Levels of Wealth episode. We have Tommy Ragsdale in the house. His company works with high-profile, high-net-worth individuals to mitigate cyber risks of all different kinds, private banks, enterprises, family businesses, wealthy individuals, ex-military folks. And uh, it's pretty interesting. They'll go in and they'll remove sensitive private information, VINs, social securities, and then even some, I think you said soft data, audible reading lists. That was pretty fascinating to me that people would be collecting audible reading lists. Wow. Anyways, um, and then you guys handle dark web coverage. That's right. Concierge services. Um, It's actually a fascinating conversation in light of everything happening in the world right now. I think I should be a client. Uh, so consider this just like, you know, the warm up and then we'll, we'll hop make in that soon. happen. Perfect. Thanks for hopping in. Absolutely. Glad to be here. What is, uh, can you just go off for a second and talk about some of the concerns and the problems that are happening with the Russia, Ukraine conflict, Russia's like cyber terrorism, like they're, they're pretty advanced. Yeah. And you know, to be honest at 360 privacy, we're allergic to like presentations and things like that. So the flow is really good here. Um, With respect to what's going on with the Russian invasion of Ukraine, uh, and particularly the financial screws that are being tightened on the Russian state, Russian nationals, uh, what we've seen lately is literal sponsorship by oligarchs of hacking entities to attack Western targets. Not even a state-based thing to, uh, to powerful individuals. So we've seen a significant uptick in activity uh, in the last 10-ish days or so. So do you, you track that when there's hack attempts? You- we certainly keep uh, track of it uh, through a number of sources, both open source um, data that comes out of the federal government um, <clears throat> and uh, as well as some of the more closed sources that we track and monitor. Don't you feel like that's more of a legitimate threat inside of like obviously Russia their military is you know they're a superpower but I feel like the the cyber terrorism is more of a legitimate threat from that country than even a kinetic war it certainly could have a lot of far-reaching impacts without having to physically reach out and touch someone 100%. there's no question about that yeah did you see that I think this was yesterday uh, Putin authorized debt repayment to be able to be paid through the ruble, which is like him, it's their first financial retaliation. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, if you de- devalue our currency, we're gonna pay you back via the currency devaluing. So it's a weird time, man, from a, uh, I mean, I'm sure it's it's a f- fascinating time for you guys to be in business, but it's a weird time just looking at the the state of the global currency market and global financial system. We really have kind of a uh, commodity-backed currency in the East that's going to be devaluing your like the petrodollar and the euro dollar. 
Um, do you get involved in any of the uh, global macroeconomics or do you stay kind of tightly narrowed in on your lane of just security? You know, generally that's outside of our scope, but it, but it absolutely affects our clients, right? Especially, um, you know, when we have multi-generational families that have uh, domestic and international business interests, they're going to be affected by that and they're going to become targets of a greater profile when things like that, uh, when that, when those sands shift without yeah. a doubt. Is it, it, is it just, they find out how much money somebody has and then go after them? Sure. I mean, you know, there's so much information out there these days that people can find out, you know, who's doing transactions, business transactions, who is, uh, making acquisitions that previously wouldn't have been very much uh, publicized information. There's so much of that out there. And now you've just got an entire, uh, and I'm using this term loosely, but an army of people that are just out there looking for it. And they can touch them from wherever they are in the world at this point. Is is it like, is what, all right, this is fascinating to me and I have like a lot of questions. When, when somebody's going after, like if you have an, a guy that's, sponsored by an oligarch to go after people in the West. Are they going after bank accounts? Are they doing like um, identity fraud? Is it all of the above? Or is there one that's like more potent or popular that you see than the rest? It's a little bit of, of all of the above. And, and I say that because um, where our sweet spot sits is, is dealing with the data brokerage ecosystem. Are you familiar with personal data brokerage ecosystem? No. You've probably come across websites like whitepages.com. Before, yeah. Right. And you can look up people's profiles. Well, there are several hundred of those types of websites out there that offer access to their databases. And today the number changes uh, on an ongoing basis. But I think today we remove data from about 325 of those data brokerage sites. And if I'm a bad actor and I have a specific target, I'm going to go look up their profile on those websites. And the the depth of information there enables me to go after a lot of different things. It enables me to uh, attempt identity theft. It enables me to compromise most accounts, uh, particularly if I have skills and ability in the dark web, but those things are open web types of, of resources for bad actors. So we see that information leveraged for all kinds of attacks. Like what, are you at liberty to share like some of those attacks and how they affected the person that was Oh, sure. <clears throat> yeah. You know, I, I'll, I'll tell our, our, our founding story. You know, we have a, uh, a couple of um, angel investors that were involved in, in, in the, the early compromise that started this all. And it was a country music singer who uh, had some accounts compromised, email, bank accounts, uh, Verizon accounts, social media. And uh, that, that went on for about a year. Uh, where they were having And they knew about it? it? Oh, they knew about it. And to be honest, it was one of those things that it was, you know, they're based here in Nashville. So it was one of those things that was beyond the scope of expertise for the Metro Nashville PD. Couldn't do anything about it. Wow. Below the threshold where the FBI really cared about it. So they're in this kind of no man's land of, of cyber risk and um, harassment and identity theft and, and account compromise. Well, uh, long story short, once we got involved, uh, we determined it wasn't a sophisticated actor. We thought it was, you know, something coming from the Eastern Europe or something like that. It was a 19 year old special education student in Chicago that was living in a single wide with her dad what? using data brokerage uh, websites to compromise accounts Just and then because? take them all over. In that case, it was just because. 
In fact, there wasn't any money stolen there, but there was a lot of harassment. Um, and that went on for the better part of a year for that person. And uh, once we really kind of unlocked the, uh, the equation there with data brokerage ecosystem, uh, we were able to fix it for them. And, and that was really the genesis of the company. So how easy is it to steal money? And would it, how easy would it have been for that person to steal money? Uh, I mean, they had control of everything, so it would have been very easy. And really what happened was uh, by pulling up some of these data brokerage profiles, they had all the answers to the security questions when you want to change a password. Oh, right? geez. So you find a username, i.e. an email address, you go to forgot password, and these data profiles have the street you grew up on, mother's maiden name, uh, you know, high school mascot, especially if you come from a small town, you can figure that stuff out through open source means. And it's just really easy. And the bad actors get access to these databases for about 20 bucks a month. And there's no vetting. Jeez, do you, uh, do you have any partnerships with um, family offices? Is that kind of how you get clients in the door? Yeah, so initially we kind of focused in the private client space and it was through family offices, private banks, um, you know, high-end wealth managers, that type of thing. The We work with probably, I don't know, about 30 multifamily offices, about the same single family offices and then kind of the big wirehouses you'd expect, UBS, JP Morgan, Goldman, um, Bessemer, those. Uh, in the last several months, we've added another kind of arm of what we do into the enterprise uh, because C-suites are just as vulnerable as you and me. And you're also an avenue of attack into your company if you're a C-suite. Yeah. So we've got a private client side and an enterprise side. Um, the other way we partner is through boutique security firms that are doing executive protection, right? Um, if they become aware that their client has the vulnerability of personal data that exists, uh, then they kind of have a responsibility to address it and we fit nicely into their service offering. Nice. Do you charge a percentage of net worth or do you flat fee or? We do flat fee sub annual subscriptions. We keep it as pretty straightforward as, as possible. Nice. Mm -hmm. um, is there an example of anything that's happened with one of your clients that you just took forever to fix or like had to hunt down? Like how, how smart are these guys? The first one you thought was like Eastern Europe. Like what's the baddest one you've had to deal with? You know, I think it's, it's really hard to pin down. It, 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 there's some remediation we're doing. Most of what we're doing is preemptive. I'm, I'm taking this information down so you don't have a have an issue in the first place. Now, we do have cases where we have clients or prospects come to us and say, hey, I just got notified that by my bank or somebody like that, that my social security number was found on the dark web. <clears throat> okay, we can help you out with that. We can we can walk through some of the, the dark web remediation there for you. Dark web is a hard place to get stuff out of. Um, where we really create value for our clients is, keeping it from getting to the open web, or once it gets to the open web, playing the whack-a-mole game to keep it out of the hands of, uh, you know, uh, an opportunistic bad actor. Can you yeah, break down like the dark web? Cause I think I've already heard of it, but I don't yeah. exactly know what it is. You know, from a general definition perspective, it's that part of the, uh, the web that's not indexed by search engines. Right. It also requires special tools to access. So not just your normal, Chrome browser or Edge or something like that. So those two pieces are, are both part of it. Um, 
where it's relevant to what we do are a lot of the uh, criminal marketplaces that are out there selling, reselling data, um, you know, a lot of the other nefarious things you hear about that might not necessarily be directly tied to our services, but, um, but are also really bad because these parts of the internet are hard to access and the identity of the bad actors is hard to verify. It doesn't, aren't there different versions of the web? Like, doesn't the government have its own, uh, like, internet? Sure, yeah. And, I mean, or are there just two? Or, like, how many different, like, how does the infrastructure actually set up? Well, when you talk about, you know, the, the technical nature of the internet, I've probably got some better people on my team that could answer it <laughs> more succinctly, but uh, they're all using a lot of the same protocols. It's just a matter of access and authentication uh, for that access to certain networks. Um, and you know, dark web certainly is falls into that bucket. Yeah. So essentially the dark web is just a place that you have to have special tools or protocols to access and it's not indexed by the search engines and it is more difficult to, uh, clean up or steward information once it gets onto the dark web. It's very difficult. I mean, the reason that it is the way it is is to keep that stuff hard to, to, to ascertain. One thing, though, that we like to point out to our clients and prospects is, yes, your information being on the dark web, your access credentials being on the dark web is not a good thing. We're going to help you clean that up as much as possible. But there is a fixed small number of actors on the dark web. Your personal data is all over the open web and everyone's on the open web. Got it. That's what we try to articulate as best we can to our clients. In fact, we don't let clients enroll in any service that doesn't include our PII deletion off the open web. Gotcha. How, um, how difficult is it to, well, let me ask you this first. With Web3, crypto, you guys don't have anything in crypto right now, right? So uh, we don't have anything internally. We're looking at some partnerships, uh, but you know, people who have significant holdings in crypto are big targets. And we don't see any difference between those people in the data brokerage ecosystem and anybody else, meaning they are just as exposed. And that is a really good way to get access to wallets and to get access to hardware wallets because I know where you live, even though you bought your house in a blind trust, the data brokerage ecosystem still figures it out. Really? Yeah. If anybody, if somebody wanted to find something else out about somebody, couldn't they just figure it out though? What do like you if, mean? if they wanted it bad enough, isn't there a way to figure out almost anything? Uh, or can you truly like There's lock probably it up? some truth to that, right? And and part of the, the security game is is making a, a, a target as hard of a target as possible so that the bad actor goes to an easier target, for sure. Because I feel like, wouldn't it make sense? This is why it's like, man, it's just better to be a good person, I think, just to avoid, you kind of like enemies in general, which is not always, it's not always gonna be possible. One of my concerns though, with just like even talking about politics and getting into that world is everybody's so angry mm -hmm. that it's just like, I don't want somebody to show up at my, at my house. Yeah. So. Is that so? That's something you could come in and just be like, "This is we eliminate anybody's ability to find you." That's the tricky thing about personal data on the web. It's it's what we call convergence, meaning you have a risk in the digital world where someone can hack you or identity theft you. You have a risk in the physical world. 
your personal data links the two. And, and that's what the, the industry refers to as convergence. And we, we really mitigate that risk for, for our clients. How long do you think uh, until the risks are significantly mitigated with wallets, Bitcoin, Ethereum? Like we're pretty new in all of this. Uh, do you think we're a long ways away from that being considered safe? Um, <clears throat> I don't. Uh, I can be thoughtful about how I answer this. Um, the weakest link in any ecosystem like that is the human. So as long as there's a human involved, there's a weakness in, in the yeah. ecosystem. Yeah. Uh, we can try to cover up those weaknesses as much as we can, but that's why phishing attempts work. That's why phishing attempts are so prevalent because I'm using human weakness. That's why when we talk to our prospects or clients about your VIN number being available and they say, I don't know why that's a big deal. And we call their dealership, pretend that we're their executive assistant, get a new set of keys made for a specific VIN number and sent to an address that we determine. It's, it's human engineering. It's human weakness enabled by information. Yeah, 100%. So you haven't ever done that, but I'm sure that you've heard horror stories of that happening. Well, we've, we've, we've talked about how it can be done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, it, and it does happen for sure. Mm -hmm. Okay, gotcha. So I need to become a client today. <clears throat> yeah. Um, that's the yeah. first thing. Did you see that Google uh, bought uh, Mandiant? I did not see that. Yeah, 5.4 doesn't surprise billion. me, but I didn't see it. Do, do you think that that's a strategic thing for, but does it seem, that seem like a maybe a conflict or is? Well, uh, you know, the, the world that has grown out of the tech movement has done a fantastic job of playing both sides of the equation. Yeah, that's what it seems <laughs> like. It's like, cause they're the ones that are indexing everything. Mm -hmm. And then they're also going to, you know, profit off of protecting people from, I just have to wrap my brain around that. It's a weird thing. Yeah. You know, I, I liken it to when, uh, you know, you hear Apple executives talk about how they don't let their kids use their devices yeah. because they know how they're manufactured, right? And, and how they manipulate For the human. Yeah. So I liken it to that. Are you, um, are you following everything that is happening with, you know, MasterCard and Visa pulled out of Russia and now, there's a Chinese bank that's going into Russia. Um, how advanced is China on the cyber side? You know, it's a, a good question. We haven't been, uh, we're aware that those things are happening. It's somewhat out of scope for, for our line of services. We don't, whether an attack is coming from China or coming from down the road, uh, for us, it's a matter of data exposure. And yeah, um, yeah if if the Chinese state is coming after you, you know you, you you've got a problem. Um, if opportunistic actors are coming after you, there's a lot of things that can be done about it. So there is a level of sophistication where it's like if a government's coming at you, it's just, you just well the NSA is not going to protect you if if the CCP is coming after you, or if or if the Russian state is coming after you. I mean that you've really put a target on yourself somehow. They're just going to get out of the way. You. What's that? They're just going to get out of the way. No, what I'm saying is, you know, that even even our government falls victim to those attacks. Yeah. So how how much of how much of data, how much of this is a risk of like data being manufactured or created? Because man, when you see like for a while, like I remember when you know the video, the pictures of Bezos leaked. I was like, oh, they're probably fake, you know, like because that's just like how it works. 
It's like something's fake, but it's all legit. Like, I don't know if you saw this. Putin was doing a, 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 a live thing and his arm passed through the mic. And it was like, wait a minute. That's not. Yeah. We're kind of there where yeah. you can't really trust anything that you see online. Uh, do you see mouth phasants and like people creating and planting data? For sure. Um, and and I'll say that, you know, from a um, personal security perspective, we do a little bit of that for our clients. I mean, we put decoy data out there to lead bad actors down the wrong path. Nice. Okay. Cool. So you have an in, you have an entry level. Uh, let me just go through this real fast. You have an entry level. Then you add on dark. I'm not trying to do a presentation for you. I'm yeah. just reading through this. And then concierge level. Yeah. Is there like a requirement for net worth or something for that concierge level or just anybody can have it? No, I mean, you know, anybody is is certainly welcome to enroll. I think of that structure as kind of a wedding cake. And that first tier, the, the what we call 360 delete, the deletion of your personal information off the data brokerage world is the foundational piece. You can do the other two, but if you don't get your personal data down, you, you're not really doing much. Uh, then that second tier is, is dark web service. So that's monitoring for a client's credentials being published on the dark web, monitoring for that client being discussed in dark web chat rooms, the chans, the telegrams. Um, and we've got a number, I think we're up to 15 native speakers that are, that are doing that, uh, doing real human analysts in, in these types of rooms. And then uh, that top level concierge package, we got about maybe 20% of our clientele is there. Um, it, it, it is uh, generally a pretty high net worth that's there. It's the type of person that's used to having a lot of stuff done for them, uh, but it really hardens them as a target. We go to their home or homes in most cases, harden networks, harden devices, teach them how to not be so exposed, set them up with tools. We manage them as kind of the root of trust on those tools. And um, uh, that proves to be pretty valuable for a lot of them. There's a big difference, though, between having the patriarch of a family office as a client and having a 24-year-old all-pro football player as a client. Uh, that 24-year-old all-pro football player, he, uh, he's got an Instagram with a blue check and he's out there, right? That patriarch of a family office hardly even uses email, but they both have really extensive threat surfaces that we help them mitigate. Yeah. Do you have any, like... Just your more popular influencers. You, you think of like the, you know, when I, I got on Twitter eight months ago. Yeah. Uh, and it blew my mind because I was like, first of all, everything hits Twitter first. I feel like I've been so dumb for so long because I haven't been on Twitter, right? Um, but then just the way that that platform is built is, is built for like viral stuff and sharing. I got up to like seven or eight million impressions a month within three or four months. I was like, you know, this is... You know, you, you see Gary Vaynerchuk and some of these bigger guys who are constantly out there. They're posting pictures. It's like, I remember somebody came to the offices here, and I won't say his name, but he took a picture, almost posted it, but he realized that the address was on it. He would have doxed us. So we yep. ended up kind of Photoshopping it out. Um, it is, I feel like it's going to be more and more important for people as the world just, it seems like the world's getting better, but almost more hostile in yeah. certain lanes. Um, what are you actually doing for that 24 year old, uh, football player to like, make sure that he's, he doesn't get doxxed or something. Yeah. So do you tell him what not to say as well? Like, do you, I mean, we, we, we try, we can't make them yeah, yeah. do anything. Right. But we can certainly advise them. And my team's full of former green beret NSA and, and, uh, CIA guys, Gen 
a 24 year old all pro football player has a pretty big profile, but he also thinks a lot of someone like that. Yeah. So they generally take the advice. Um, the world of influencers is really interesting. And we do have a number of influencer clients. They're in a spot where they have to put themselves out there. That's literally how they make their money. But to your point, there are things that you can do when you're taking pictures, when you're shooting videos, that you can mitigate that risk a little bit. And I don't think I've come across an influencer who hasn't already had a stalker or two and isn't already scared pretty tight of that kind of risk. Yeah. So they tend to be good clients and, and work well and, and, and try to handle their hygiene pretty well. Do you feel like this might be, if, if by the way, if I ask you anything that's outside of you, like I'm not comfortable answering this, just tell me. Um, how do you feel like uh, America is in terms of like just ranking globally? Because you mentioned Green Berets, CIA, like the NSA. Do you feel like we've fallen behind? Is that just a news narrative? Are we still like the number one superpower? Not kinetically, but when it comes to technological advancement and from, from what you've seen, like are we still up there? I would say that we're probably the envy of most of the world in in a lot of ways. Yeah. So I had a I had a uh, one of my old bosses when I was growing up. His dad lived in Huntsville. NASA's in Huntsville. It's actually a really good market. We do mm -hmm. a lot, you know, in Alabama. And uh, what his what his dad did is he uh, took enemy weaponry and disassembled it, and then was would re basically take the the hardware for mm -hmm. the US military. And we were down there one day shooting because he had land in Huntsville. And uh, he's old, like he was really old and he retired 15 years ago. And he was explaining to us just the level of technology that the that governments have that are kind of protected from normal civilians, like would blow your mind. The things that, like we've had Iron Man for forever. Like we, you know, China's creating super soldiers. Is that, just it, are we still in a version of a cold war so to speak and just it's a giant arms race i think humans have always been engaged in arms races and i don't think they ever stop right yeah. it, the uh, uh digital revolution has only put them on exponential paces right it's 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 like moore's law power of computing yeah uh, and and that's what you're going to see there yeah okay so question on the power of computing how how deep have you gone into quantum computing and what happens with quantum computing once I mean, that breaks that that would seem like it would break every safety protocol that we have yeah, if they're not ready for it. You know, we we do um, help our clients with encryption methodologies and things like that. Yeah, they're they're going to be vulnerable eventually to uh, quantum computing. Um, and there's also people out there trying to find the solution to that. Right. It's that who, who's got the better mousetrap over time. We you know aren't really addressing that for clients at this point because we don't see it really as a risk for many of them but um, from a long-term perspective sure so it's not a risk right now but it'll be a risk later i think it's somewhat inevitable yeah how many how many quantum computers are there aren't there like just That's a like good question. six five or six something like that something like this um and then i i was talking with somebody about blockchains because the whole thing with with bitcoin and all of these blockchains is security but if you have if you don't have a quantum blockchain then that's that's vulnerable too. It would just crack the blockchain in, in twenty minutes. So yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing days we're headed into. Yeah. yeah, when you can when you can make every make every calculation at the same time, then yeah. <laughs> Isn't that wild? Yeah, it is. It's like it is. Everybody needs to give up now or hire you. <laughs> Bottom line, I need you to come out to uh, I need you to come out to the new house because 
uh, we just hopped into it and actually uh, we put it into, yeah, we put it into a, an irrevocable. And that was part of the, the theory there was just like getting mm-hmm. my name off of it, kind of removing it as something that could be accessed or taken online. Because I yeah. think our old mortgage, you could just look it up or the old yep. house, you could see you know where, where does Taylor live and yeah. find it. And I was like, yo, this is freaky. And from the trust perspective, I mean, <clears throat> this isn't really giving away any secrets, but we find people that that acquire properties or other assets and trusts and think that they're blinded. Um, but in as an example, in some jurisdictions, utility bills are public record. So if I pay me my utilities in true name, there you go. Now Let's that trust is associated it. with me. Yeah. So you know we we are not trust attorneys. We don't even purport to be, but we do understand the data ecosystem. We we try to help our clients with yeah. that. Do you have any partnerships with uh, trust attorneys? We're working on a couple of those. Um, you know, I mean, those I, are, I've got them for you. I'll yeah, set you up with them. I, I think those are interesting. They're definitely interesting for us. I think trust attorneys, um, there's going to be a level of education process and what this even means. Uh, in the long term, it's probably beneficial for all parties. Yeah, because then you can dial up the, um, I can't help my, like, I can't help the business side of me just turn on at that because then you can dial mm-hmm. up the, not only the retention, but the, the, you reduce the exposure even further because yeah. you guys are handling the digital side, the cyber side. Um, but there's probably some good partnerships with family offices that can handle the trust and the estate and all of that. I'll connect yeah, you if, you, sure. if you're interested. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So what else, what else do I need to ask you? This stuff is fascinating to me. I just want to, sometimes I go conspiratorial and I just want to know if everybody got into a war who would win, but that's not really, <laughs> there's no utility well, in that. We hit a lot of good stuff, but the, the thing you mentioned at the very beginning that we hadn't really talked about is the soft soft stuff yes so um and and it's really not it's not that mind-blowing once you think about it but at first you you're kind of like wait why why is that even relevant and what what we're referring to is uh in in some of the data brokerage world they're selling the things you already pointed out names addresses socials vin numbers phone numbers etc um, but we deal with over 320 of these sites and they all kind of focus on different things. And uh, we've started to come across sites that are scraping the bigger sites, the, uh, you know, the marketplaces like Amazon. And we find that um, for most people, the default setting on their wish list is public. And if a data broker just scraping that site and has it associated with a the person, they'll just screenshot it and put it on a profile. We don't really know why other than the fact that their business model incents them to publish as much data as possible because it's valuable for the click, meaning more people are going to go click on it, uh, especially if it's a high profile person and, uh, and, and consume that, that data. We've had a number of clients who um, one in particular uh, was about to do an IPO. He's a young CEO founder. I think his IPO was valued at about $3 billion. His, uh, Audible reading list was scraped and published on one of these sites. And he had some not illegal, but maybe some questionable titles that had been on there for years that he'd forgotten about that if a bad actor wanted to, could have tanked the IPO from a reputational perspective. We've seen that with things that are sitting in the Amazon wish list for, again, not illegal, but just reputational damage that can be done that in some cases may be irreparable. That's crazy. We're not a PR firm. Yeah. You know, we're not trying to quote unquote protect people's reputations. We are trying to mitigate their exposure and vulnerability. What what about like old you I'm sure you followed the Joe Rogan controversy. Um 
in that case, is there really nothing you can do besides just going back and cleaning up? Those are hard. I mean, we have had some success in kind of retrieving things that could be, you know, held for ransom. Uh, but I'm not going to sit here and say that's a core business line of ours at all. That's something that falls in that kind of concierge bucket where we can, you know, maybe help someone do that. But we, it's hard to make promises there for sure. Yeah, yeah. totally. So the 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 crux is it sounds like it's mostly like deletion of data that shouldn't be there in the first place, but it is because that's how life works. And so you guys kind of go and whitewash uh, or or clean up the things you know that somebody won't want out there. Yeah, well, I mean, we will remove every profile from that ecosystem. And what happens, we find that those profiles start to rebuild within about 72 hours. So we are set apart from anybody else that's even somewhat in the space because we're scanning for repopulation on a daily basis. And you just continue deleting it. That's right. It's truly a game of whack-a-mole. And, and part of that is because some of these data brokerages just repopulate the data, even though you've taken it down or we all spread these little digital breadcrumbs, right? You probably have a CVS shopper loyalty card. Well, the minute you sign up for that, that data is getting sold. The company that manages that for Whole Foods pays Whole Foods to do that. Wow, okay, so it's a, so it's a transaction that they're aware of. It's not even being stolen, it's being given away. And they don't yeah. have to disclose that? Oh, they do disclose it. It's just in like four yeah. font and Well, and you click it. the, I agree to these terms. Yeah. You know, we, we do have one client. She was she's a country music singer. We She enrolled before she had one of her first big singles. And uh, she did a lot of the behaviors that we taught her to do to stay good hygiene in this stuff. And what we find is in an initial deletion, we knocked down somewhere between 400 and 600 profiles for a client. And it gets down on a monthly basis to around 30 to 50. And that's just kind of status quo. And she was down in that, that area. One day she popped on about 100 brokerage sites just at once. So we reached out to her, her account manager reached out to her and said, hey, what, what happened? And uh, she said, I, didn't, I, didn't, I haven't done anything uh, out of the ordinary. And then she remembered. She signed up for a workout at a retail workout place that shall uh. remain nameless. And as soon as she signed up for that, that database was it was sold, and then uh, hit the data brokerage sites almost instantaneously. So, do you just now have? Did you talk to that workout place, or do you just now clean it up every day? We just now clean it up. Yeah, I mean, it, it's part of their terms and conditions. Wow. Okay. Cool. So, how do you have a waiting list? Uh, no, we've we've gotten pretty good at the process, so we're able to onboard kind of right away. And I get uh, initial deletions done, almost completed within about 72 hours. I mean, we're, we're pretty quick on the uptake. Okay, so you can handle 50 more clients, 60, 100. Mm -hmm. Okay, For, well, I'm asking partially because I have to become a client. That's the first thing. But I think that this is such a needed thing that here's the, the problem with, prob with subconscious problems or like we're not conscious of them is those are the most dangerous. Yeah. And I don't think that people actually realize how how much stuff is out there that could That's hurt right. them. We're all aware of the problem of, you know, going broke or, you know, like oh, most of the conscious problems are mitigated to an extent. To me, this is a giant unconscious problem that um, I want to tell people about. You know, and we're in a position at this point where we will show people what's there. I mean, we when I engage with someone they fall into a couple buckets. One, 
they know this, they know it's a problem, they wanna move. Uh, another is they know that this thing kind of exists, but they don't realize how bad it is. Yeah. And then there's the people that just don't believe it at all. So we, we carry out threat They don't believe it? They don't believe it. So we carry out threat assessments for them and basically say, hey, I've looked at five or six of the 320 sites that I deal with. Yeah. This is what you look like. Do you like that? And most of them don't. And uh, that helps the conversation. Yeah, well, that's a, pretty, that's a pretty easy close. Do you like this or not? No, I don't. Yeah. Cool, become a client. I mean, do we you have, have to be delicate about that, though. I mean, I, I don't do that unprompted. Yeah, uh, sure. I do that only if it's asked because, yeah. uh, you know, it goes down a, a bad direction if yeah. if I led with something like that. Do you have, um, do you guys have, like, I'm, I'm on your site now, 360privacy.io. Um, is there a place that you guys have content where you talk about these things or is it mostly just, Word of mouth, referral, things like that. We're very much a referral business. Now, we this isn't the first podcast we've done, so there is a little bit more it's stuff out the there. It's just the best one. It's just the top. There we um, go. We, and, and we do put some content out on our LinkedIn, okay. uh, you know, things that are interesting. In fact, uh, back to the Russian invasion of Ukraine, I think it was about three days ago, we published a situation report um, on, on what this means for what we do, and that's out on our LinkedIn. You can go download it. Yeah, and uh, gives you some recommended uh, steps you can take, and also ways you can contact us if you want more help. Do you, on that? Do you feel that? Do you think Putin's losing his mind, or do you think that this is something he's talked about for so long, and he's seeing it as a legitimate NATO threat? We're going to get invaded, no matter what. We are going to invade first. I don't know. That's that's a really good uh, uh, you know assessment of Putin with some of that brown water you got over your left shoulder. Um, but I don't know that for us it really matters either way. I mean, I think he's he's pot committed at this point. Yeah. Well, I think everybody agrees that, uh, yeah, you know, he's uh, a piece of shit for what he's doing. <laughs> However, I think there's, uh, I don't know, Twitter is, Twitter seems to be up in arms. They need an enemy every year. Yeah. There needs to be something wrong every year. So I'm always interested, like, one of my, uh, one of the guys who helps me a lot on the investing side. He uh, comes from the Navy, and then I've got a really good friend in California um, who actually did a, a a sprint at the NSA. And so there's just a different perspective with people who have been in that world. It's mm -hmm. like there's a lot of civilian commentary. It's like none of us know. Like we've never been, we've never done anything like that. So I'm always just curious. I can ask you off the record too, but I'm always curious <laughs> for people who have that background of like, yo, what's going on here? Like what, you know? But it's you're right. It doesn't matter. It's not a applicable to your line of work. Um, anything else? you want to talk about before you wrap up because I need to give you money and uh, we no, need to get I going. Think, I think we hit all the, the highlights. And I, Do you I have any questions, Jake? Not right now. Are you sure? <laughs> okay. You're yeah, shaking okay, over there. What are the average for like the average person for somebody like me who doesn't have the highest net worth, what is being sold to someone who doesn't have a high net worth? What are the risks they have? The same exact data is out there, unfortunately. And it, it, I think maybe, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but here's how I think about this. This is hilarious. I know nothing about this, but I'm gonna tell you what I think. Um, if somebody's high net worth, they'll go after them for no reason, just to steal money. But I think there's still a risk for people sharing their opinion, even if they're low net worth or they don't make a lot of money, just because sure. they could piss someone off and they get angry and 
go after them. Just because uh, you've now made yourself uh, aware to other people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Crazy. All right, everyone, 360privacy.io. Uh, you need to go check it out. Um, we'll put some links to maybe some of the previous podcasts that you've done. Uh, this is fascinating to me. I can't wait to be a client. Thanks for being on the show. And if there's anything I can help you with, let me know. Well, absolute pleasure to be here. And uh, thanks for the chat. You got it. All right. 